0: You're listening to the Eastside Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This sermon was recently preached at our church. We want to encourage you to visit our website at eastsidesf.com. Now, enjoy today's sermon. Can we open our Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 9 tonight? Matthew chapter 9. We'll begin reading there at the end of the chapter, verse number 36. And once you found yourself... If you would, please, would you stand with me as we begin to read the Lord's Word. Matthew chapter number 9. We'll go back one more verse. We'll begin in verse 35. Matthew chapter 9, verse 35, it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Here we find Jesus, he's hard at work, he's serving people, he's ministering. And the scripture tells us he came to seek and to save those who were lost. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And as Jesus is working with the people, in verse number 36, we get to see something very interesting. It says, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd." Christ's response to this vision, to the way he sees the world, is he needs to get people involved. There's a world that needs him. As Pastor mentioned this morning, Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer to your problems, the answer to your questions. He has that answer. And here in verse 37, he begins to try to portray an image to his disciples. It says, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. God, I pray that you would please speak to us through your word. Give us, Lord, the vision that you had there as you were serving people, the people that you saw. Lord, we thank you for your goodness to us and allowing us to assemble once again freely. And Lord, that we can come and worship you together. And, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to sing and praise you, Lord, for you are worthy of our praise. Amen. And, Lord, eventually we will have the opportunity to give an offering to you. But, Lord, in this very important moment of us opening up your word, we pray, Lord, that you would please speak to us. I pray, Lord, that you would work in our hearts and give us something, Lord, that we can take not just for a day, not just for this week, Lord, but for our lives from your word. I pray that you would please speak in a special way. Holy Spirit, I pray that you give me the words to say. And Lord, we pray that you would please meet with us in a a very unique and extraordinary way tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for standing. Would you please be seated? Have you ever uh, looked at somebody and wondered what they're thinking? I've done that before. Sometimes it's for a good reason. Sometimes it's for not such a good reason. You look at drivers around the states. My wife and I have spent a lot of hours in the car. And uh, thankfully, Sioux Falls isn't bad. You all have have fairly decent drivers. Uh, but when we got through Iowa, my soul, when we went through Davenport, it was, it was like a free-for-all on the highway. I didn't expect that because I think Iowa, uh, Iowa, I think cornfields, I think, you know, calm, maybe, not, not Davenport. That was, that was not the case. Des Moines, was, the, Des Moines was a little crazy, but it wasn't as bad. You get into California and we have, you know, California drivers. Well, it's not just California, folks. It's all over the states. So sometimes when you're driving, you look at a person, you see something they do, and you think, "What are they thinking? What are they thinking?" They're 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 getting back and forth, weaving back and forth, and they'll cross, you know, into the fast lane. And they'll cross three lanes of traffic to get, you know, off on the exit, and you're you're wondering, "What are they thinking?" Uh, what about sometimes when uh, when you're uh, with a person and you, and you notice the the gaze that they hold, and maybe maybe it's an older person like your grandma or your grandpa, and you look at them and you know they've got years of experience. And you wonder, what are they thinking? What are they thinking? What are the thoughts that are going on behind? I remember uh, many times in Ukraine, we'd ride public transport everywhere. And it would be, you know, you'd be cramped on the bus and you'd be sitting next to people you didn't know or standing next to people you didn't know. And I remember looking around sometimes on the bus or even at the people that are walking outside through the window that you can see off the bus and wondering what they're thinking. Wondering what their life is like. Uh, Where where are they going today? What is is their job? What is their family situation like? A sad part of the matter is is that in Ukraine, most of them do not have the gospel in any way, shape, or form. You can look at them and know that there's probably not a single thought about eternity in their mind as far as a spiritual thought. Maybe they wonder what happens after they die, but the thought doesn't extend past that. Here in the States, it's, it's everywhere that you can see people that are not safe and you wonder, oh, what are they thinking? This last year, if it's not caused you to wonder about some of, uh, some of the people in leadership, what are they thinking? But I'm grateful tonight that as we look in Scripture at this particular passage, God takes a moment to reveal to us through His Holy Spirit and in the pen of Matthew what Jesus was thinking when He was working with the multitudes. As Jesus was looking at the people that He was serving, what was Jesus thinking, we see in verse number 36, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. And here's the reason, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Jesus, when he looked at people and he saw their needs, he noticed two very important needs of the people that were there. First of all, they fainted, they were tired, they needed rest. And if there's anything we can testify is that living here in the States and the life that we have, things run at a very quick pace. Uh, we call it a rat race for a reason. It's just go, 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 go. And you, when you get up in the morning, whether you have breakfast or not, and then you go to work and you're there for eight, 10, 12, maybe more hours a day, and then you come back home and you have time with family and you have your supper and maybe some time in the evening and then you go to sleep, to wake up the next day and repeat the very same thing almost. And then you have some variation on the weekends depending on how uh, you spend your time and when you go to church and uh, if there's a volunteer thing that you can do at church or something like that. But generally, it's easy to say that our life can be very wearisome and things are moving at such a quick pace all the time. And Jesus, looking at the people here, recognized their need for strength and their need for rest. I'm thankful that the Lord is the answer to that need. Here in a couple chapters later, Jesus begins to uh, preach and say, Come unto me, all ye that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus was the answer to their need. So not only did Jesus see their need, he saw the answer, and the answer was him. The answer was Christ. Jesus could supply that need of rest, that need of rest. But then we also see that Jesus saw their need of a shepherd. That there are sheep scattered about, and I'm not, I didn't grow up on a farm or anything. I grew up as, as, as much a city slicker as you could ever be. Cement jungle, that was my place. Uh, but my understanding is, is that sheep without a shepherd is a terrible idea. It's a horrible idea. Sheep without shepherd, uh, if, if humanity did not exist, I think sheep would have died out about the time of the dinosaurs, to be completely honest. Uh, They're they're dumb. They're not very smart. They get into all sorts of dangerous situations without even realizing the danger they're in. Uh, When they're surrounded by danger as far as a a predator, they have no real defense. They run. They scatter. They don't have any form of thought of defending. You look at the animal kingdom, there's a lot of different ways animals choose to defend themselves. They get in groups and they uh, stay together. But sheep, sheep have no defense really. The only sheep's defense is the shepherd that's there with him. And here Jesus sees their need of a shepherd, someone who can guide them in their life, someone who can protect them. And in Jesus' response many chapters later, he'll be the good shepherd that will lay down his life for a sheep. Jesus was the answer to these people's needs. And here as he's seeing the multitude here, Jesus decides that he needs to do something about this. It's been his plan. He's been waiting for this moment. Because in chapter number 10, Jesus is going to take his disciples and pair them up and send them, as he says, to the lost sheep of Israel to go and reach them and give them the answer to their needs, which is Jesus Christ. And here he paints a picture for his disciples in verse 37. An urgent picture. It says, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers, are few. In Mark, the, the words used talk about a, the fields are widened to harvest. That, that's talking about that last moment where you have before you can get the, the, the wheat in and you can harvest it. And the, the problem with a the, with the harvest that, that we have right now is, is not that there isn't a harvest that's ready. You see, if we were to walk out of our doors tonight, there is a harvest that's ready out there. Maybe there's even some folks in here that are part of a harvest that need to get saved in here tonight. All around us, there's a harvest going on. But the urgency with the harvest is, as he said, is as wide as a harvest, is that there's only a limited time to get the harvest in. If, if you do any kind of farming, you know that you have a limited time when uh, the, the fields are ripe for harvest. And if you miss that juncture, uh, you have wasted what you've been working for. It's been wasted, it'll die. And you can never, ever get it back. That's why it's so important as we live day to day that we focus on the harvest field that is around us that are souls. Because you don't know if your coworker will be there tomorrow or next week or next month. Your family member, your neighbor. Thinking about the souls and the harvest that's going on right now, we live in a very troublesome time. And there's only a little bit of time before Christ comes back. I have no clue when it will be, but I know we're at least one day closer than we were yesterday. And it's drawing nearer, faster, I think, than maybe we even realize. And when that happens, you and I won't be able to be a part of this harvest anymore. Our work will be done. There won't be anyone to win in heaven. And we won't be able to participate. So now here we are on earth and God has a specific plan for us to participate in this harvest. And there's no problem with the harvest. The harvest is plenteous. There's people that are ready to be saved, people whose doors, if you were to knock on, I can't tell you how many people the Lord allowed uh, my wife and and me and my brother and and my sister-in-law as we were at college uh, in, in Santa Clara area. The Lord just opened the doors in San Jose to be able to knock on a door and maybe for the first time meet a person and be able to give them the gospel and see them truly trust in Christ. It's happened where I've walked up to a guy who had started his vehicle. and I only wanted to give him a track. I knew surely he was headed to work or to some busy activity, something he needed to go and do. And the Lord opened the door. We talked there for about a half hour while well, the motor was running and that man trusted in Christ as his Lord and Savior. There's a harvest field that is plenteous, that's ready, but there's a problem within the harvest and it's not the harvest itself. It's not the person whose harvest this is, his, which is the Lord's. It's a problem because there's a lack of laborers. There's a lack of laborers. In, in verse 37, Jesus points this out. It says, but the laborers are few. He imagined Jesus as he's looking at the world through the, the eyes as, as he is God and knows everything to, to see the possibilities of our everyday lives, of the harvest that we are in, the things that God wanted to accomplish through us. And to be able to see those moments where a decision by you or by me changes whether or not a part of the harvest is missed. Maybe even great parts of the harvest are missed. Jesus here points out to his disciples before he sends them out to give the gospel to the people that the harvest is ready, but we need more laborers. There aren't enough laborers. There aren't enough workers. And so then Jesus gives us a prayer request. You can find a lot of prayer requests in scripture from God. God tells us to pray for Israel. God tells us to pray for our authorities. God gives us a lot of uh, prayer commands, if you will, prayer requests, and yet when Jesus gives us a prayer request, it's only one that I can find. Pray, therefore, the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Jesus gives us the model prayer and we know how he's showing us how to pray. And we have in John 17 where we have the Lord's Prayer where Jesus prays for him, for us as, as generations of believers that will come afterwards. We have the examples of prayer from Christ. But when Christ tells us, hey, I want you to pray for something, it's pray for more labors. Oh, amen. Jesus didn't say please. It's a command. He says, realize that you're in a harvest field and we need more laborers. We need more people involved. We need more people reaching because this harvest only has a limited amount of time before it's finished. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. How are you and I doing with the laboring today? Have you been laboring this last week? Have you been laboring this last month? What about this last year? Has God been able to use you to be able to see someone saved, to participate in this harvest? Have you been handing out tracts? Have you been trying to reach those around you that God has given to you to reach? A harvest field is going on right now. But there are only a few laborers. And I think the reason for that is because we get disconnected from the harvest. We get disconnected from the mindset that God had when he looked at the world that Christ had. When he was looking at those people there is that there's a harvest field. People need to be reached and yet we get disconnected from it. We fail to see the way he saw. I think that there are some reasons for that tonight and really uh, the main reason for the message is reasons people get disconnected from the harvest. The very first one tonight, if you're taking pens, I'd write it down very first reason we get disconnected from the harvest is because of self. It's because of self. You know, I don't think we've lived in a world that was any more egotistical than it is today. Uh, what is the, the, the one thing that social media is really the, flooded with is self uh, it's, it's, it's all over Instagram. And, and it's great to have pictures taken of each other. And you can share that with loved ones and that sort of thing. But when it's a picture of yourself for yourself's sake because of your vanity or your ego or because you just wanted a picture to put out there, our world is consumed with self. And sadly, that's not just the lost, that's believers too. Here we get distracted because of our plans. Maybe we have a plan for this weekend and so we don't have a plan to attend a church activity or a plan to participate at the church. Uh, We get distracted because of our phones. Uh, phones are a wonderful tool, but they can also be a terrible distraction. We distracted because of our pride, maybe because of our prejudices. And here self, I think, is one of the number one reasons people get disconnected from the harvest. Going back to the idea of phones, my wife and I, we one time were uh we were stopping into a Panda Express to get food, and we had driven a long ways that day Saturday, and uh, we'd arrived, we hadn't been able to get into the hotel yet, so we're grabbing food. My wife's hungry, I'm hungry. And so we're going to grab food through the drive-thru because the restaurants were all closed at that point, right? And we get to the hotel and that's our, that's our plan for the day to end that night out. Saturday night, so I'm looking over the notes that I've spoken to the preacher about, making sure that I'm set for the next morning, I know what's going on. Just a refresher, trying to be a good missionary. And I kept my peripheral vision on the vehicle in front of me. Now, those of you who are in driver's ed and stuff, don't do that, you gotta keep, you know, don't don't be on your phone while you're driving. But I was sitting there reading my notes. In the drive-through, so I wasn't hopefully gonna get hit by anybody, I was keeping my eye on the vehicle in front of me. And as I was reading my notes, before I knew it, there was a lady next to me in a window asking me for money, for food I had not yet ordered, because I passed the place to order because I was focused on my phone. I miss my purpose for being there. And she wouldn't take my order at the window. I had to drive back around in the line and get back in line and wait again. So I miss my purpose because I was on my phone. How many of us as believers do miss our purpose because we're on our phone or we're on our computer or we're on our games or maybe we're on our hobby or we're, uh, we're out doing an activity that we, we enjoy to do and we miss our purpose? Those things aren't necessarily bad, but when we lose focus of the harvest, that's when it becomes bad. When we get so focused on self, we forget about the people that are around us. That's when it becomes evil. Here, Jesus never lost focus of the people that were around him. In fact, if you were to take a look at Matthew chapter nine, the more I read it, the more I fall in love with it, is a chapter, and though Jesus' whole life represents this, this chapter has so many places where Christ saw the people that were around him. In Matthew chapter 9, we have when he would call Matthew the tax collector to follow him. You imagine walking through the city and in that day you had a specific place where you'd pay taxes. And if you and and me were, were in that time, when we passed that place, we would probably duck and hide because we don't want any part of it. We don't want to be called into line or something. We don't like the men there because we know they charged us more on our taxes than we should have paid. And here, uh, what our typical response would be is to look the other way from the tax collectors and not give them the time of day. And yet Jesus, as he's walking through, looks right at one. Jesus says, Matthew, follow me. Jesus saw the people that were around him. He wasn't focused on self. He was focused on those who were around him. As Jesus goes through that day, they find him later eating there and it seems like maybe at Matthew's house with the publicans and sinners and Jesus is eating and being a friend to them and focused on the people around him and someone comes to him begging for help. This is Jairus, the leader in the Jews and he's saying to Jesus, Jesus, I need you to come to my place to heal my daughter. And as Jesus gets up and moves with them to go and heal Jairus' daughter, He's moving through the crowd, that giant crowd that was there, but there was someone else that needed his attention at that moment. It was the woman with the issue of blood, and as she began to press through the crowd, knowing that if she could only but touch the hem of his garment, she'd be healed. Perhaps she'd heard about Jairus and his daughter and didn't want to distract from that. Just say, if I could just get a second, uh, just touch the hem of Christ's garment. I don't need his time. I don't need to distract from what he's going to do. That's important. I just need his touch real quick. I just need help from him real quick. And in the midst of all that, knowing the urgency of the situation, Jesus, as soon as he feels her touch, it says he turned around and when he saw her, when he saw her, see, Jesus took time for those that were around him. He didn't allow his self to get in the way. Oh, I'm on the way to go and heal somebody. Why would you interrupt me? No, Jesus saw her need. Yeah. Amen. He wasn't focused on self. The next reason I believe that we get disconnected from the harvest is because of sin. Though self is a sin and when we get distracted and and, and ego and our pride, I'd like us to focus next on sin because the the most grievous part about sin is that it always, always, always brings death. And sometimes that death doesn't just affect you or just me. Adam's sin brought death to all of mankind. Our sin affects not just us, but those that are around us. As I mentioned earlier in Sunday school. And here sin is so grievous. The, the reason that sin is such a disconnecting factor from the harvest is because what it does is it, it not only brings death, the antithesis of Christ to his life, it also grieves the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is, he is our guide into truth and in this harvest, uh, I, I've been so amazed looking at some of the changes in in farming, you have these GPS now that you just turn it on and you let the machine run itself almost. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to make you and to make me witnesses, to guide us in this harvest field, to lead us to the people who God wanted us to reach in the very first place. You see, you're not in this harvest alone. You've got someone right beside you who knows what needs to be done. He's got direct contact with our supervisor, and he's here to remind you, hey, this person needs Christ. Hey, pray for this person. Hey, reach this person. Give them a gospel tract. Tell them I'm praying for you. Tell them that Jesus loves you. And yet when we sin, it takes the Holy Spirit and it mutes him. It grieves him. It quenches him, and it doesn't allow him to reach through to us like the way that he would want to. We get disconnected from the harvest because of sin that disrupts the communication and our fellowship with Christ and with God. And when we sin, it takes our focus off of the harvest. It grieves the Holy Spirit whose, whose purpose is to help us in this harvest. His purpose is to guide us, is to lead us into truth and to help us reach the people that God has for us to reach. He imagined looking at the world today like the way that Christ did. I I wonder if he looked at it this way a little bit. For my my imagination, this helps. You've got the entire planet and God knows who's saved and who isn't saved. You've got over 7.5 billion on our planet now. And there'll be a, more, a million more people next week before we come to church. Every single week at least, if not more. And here, God looks at the planet, and He sees people in two colors. He sees them in red, and maybe He sees them in blue. And red are people that are saved, that are covered by His blood. And blue are the people who have not yet trusted in Christ that need the gospel to be given to them so they can trust in Christ. And from every red person, there is a line connecting them to multiple blue people. To multiple blue people. And as we live our days and go about our days, God brings us into contact with people that he wanted us to have contact with from the very beginning. Did you know God has been planning out your life for so very long? God knows what's happening tomorrow and the day after. God knew what was going to happen this last year. And God has been working to reach you with the gospel so that you could reach someone else. Did you know God worked longer to reach you with the gospel than he did Abraham? Than he did Paul? God is so invested in us. I mean, not only did he send his son Jesus Christ to die for us, but he has spent this entire time planning and leading and guiding people so that the events would line up according to God's grace or we'd hear and trust in Christ. People in Ukraine need that. I was a person like that in Ukraine. I was a lost soul in Ukraine that needed a missionary to give me the gospel. And I'm so thankful that God had a missionary for me. Now, he moved me there to do that, but I was a lost soul like so many million over in Ukraine. 44 million people at least that live over there. And they need the gospel. 200,000 here that live in Sioux Falls and over 300 million in the states. I think that there's a connection from you and I as believers to those that are lost. But as we live our days, sometimes those connections break. Maybe because this person dies and they go off into eternity and they'll never have another chance to trust in Christ. Maybe the connection breaks in a way that you see that this person now becomes a red person they have trusted in Christ and now they have their own line to all these different blue people. But then there's other times where that connection breaks is because we're disconnected from the harvest. And that opportunity that God had planned for us for thousands of years to give the gospel to that one person is missed, maybe forever. This harvest field is so plenteous It's so urgent that we get involved in it. We can't be disconnected because of self. We must not disconnect because of sin. But then, lastly, I think we disconnect because we fail to look at the lost and to pray. The whole purpose, as, as God is showing here, is that Jesus, when he looked around, he saw people. He saw people. It's easy to get distracted from seeing the people that are around us. How many people did we count? or how many people did we pass coming to church tonight? I don't know, 100, maybe more, different cars. uh, Greater if we pass through a grocery mart or something on the way to church. How many more will we pass on the way back home tonight? So many people. And yet wherever Jesus was, he saw the people that were around him. As we went over in chapter nine, he saw all those people. But I challenge you today, do you see the people that are around you? when you pray for a parking spot at a grocery store that you can go to because you're spiritual and I I really don't pray for them very often. But I'm thankful when he answers, right? There's that parking spot. You don't pray for one in the back, right? You pray for one up front because that's where the real miracles happen. You don't pray for God to give you one in the back. You pray for one up front, up close. And you you get to that grocery store and you're so thankful that God has that parking spot. That person's backing out and you have your blinker on but they back out the wrong way. No deal, no problem. God has provided this parking spot for me. I know everything's going to be good. They back out the wrong way, and as they zoom out, they block you from entering the parking spot while someone else zooms in right after them. You get all upset and angry, maybe. You think, I prayed for that parking spot. Don't you know that that's God's parking spot for me? I was waiting for that one. I had my blinker on. And yet, we don't think about the person that took that parking spot. That whether they get that parking spot or not will not determine whether or not they're going to heaven. That they're just as much a part of the harvest as we used to be as far as needing to be reached. And maybe sometimes out of anger or sheer frustration we shake our hand as we're going by and we have that little fish sticker on the back of our car. And that person's reminded again why they don't want to go to church. Because it's full of hypocrites. You know, unbelievers... Sometimes they know how to be better Christians as far as like telling us what we should be doing than we do. They nail us every time that they get a chance, it seems like many times. The truth of the matter is, is that we need to be focused on the people that are around us. That could change. Your reaction could change whether or not that person will come to church. That's right. When you get your waitress the, at, the, at the restaurant that gets your order wrong three times. I told this one time and that evening, my wife and I after church went to a restaurant and she did get our order wrong three times. It happened. And if practice what you preach, what is your reaction going to be? Give them as small a tip as you can and leave a church track with it. And let that be a stain instead of just on you, it's a stain on your church and on the name of Christ. Maybe the person shouldn't be in food services. Or maybe they're just having a really bad day. I need someone who would show some compassion and some care like Jesus Christ would and see them as a person. We get disconnected from the harvest because we fail to look at the lost. And we get disconnected because we fail to pray for more laborers. Here Jesus gives us the command to pray for more laborers yet I question how many of us have prayed this week have you prayed every day this week for more laborers? Have you prayed this last year at all for more laborers? Sioux Falls, around the world. There's a harvest field that's out there that's ready, but we need more laborers. I find the people that pray the most for more laborers are the people that are most involved. Maybe if you can't say yes, that I, have, I haven't been praying and more laborers like I should have, maybe the question is, is whether or not you're laboring like you should be in the first place as well. As the people that are laboring, I find pray the most for more laborers because they see the need. They're in tune with God and in tune with the image that Christ had placed. There's a harvest that's ready that just needs to be reached. I never know what it is that God has for us as far as this harvest goes. But there are people around us every single day that there may be only one track away from getting saved. Amen. One door knock away from getting saved. How many stories you hear in Bible college and in other places about, I was ready to give up on life. And then there was a door knock. Amen. Or there was someone that left a flyer. My wife and I, we were in a conference this last week with a man, Anisha Came over from India to, to study in the States to be an IT man. And, he had, and the only thing he'd ever heard about Christianity was what was taught in schools there. And while he moved into the Chicago area, his life began to spiral out of control because of the sin and the foolish lifestyle that he was living. Yet one day he found a flyer on his door that said, You're invited to First Baptist Church of Hammond. And there was a cross. And that started a process that over the next month would lead to his salvation. And the salvation of so many other people because he is a soul winner. He and and, and Preacher were just the the pastor there that I was at the conference. I just took a drive around a university that was an Indian university there. And they were able to witness to two young men from India for 45 minutes. They didn't get saved. That was another testimony. What about you and I as believers? Are we involved in this harvest? Are we praying for more laborers? Christ's prayer request here isn't really a request. I guess it's probably a disservice to call it that. It's a command. Amen. I'd ask you tonight to consider whether or not you're laboring like you should, or whether or not you're praying. Maybe it's because of sin, maybe it's because of self, or maybe it's because we just failed to look at the lost. Tonight we need to make a decision. Are you going to participate in this harvest, or will you sit on the sidelines? The longer we sit on the sidelines, the more we're gonna miss a harvest that's waiting. There's not a single person in this building that God does not have a plan to use you to reach somebody with the gospel. That's the whole reason that we're still here on earth. God isn't just wasting our time. How many of y'all think that it is a blast to live on heaven com- uh, on earth compared to heaven? Nobody. Heaven would be so much greater. And yet God has us here on earth, not so that we can get more money. Not so that we can spend more time, not so we can reach that goal on a video game, but so that we can reach somebody with the gospel. There's a harvest field going on right now. Let's go ahead and bow our heads, please, and close your eyes. The invitation will begin. And you have an opportunity to come and, and talk to the Lord about what has been said tonight. There's a harvest field going on today. Have you been involved in it today, this week, this month, this year? I dare say hopefully not, for a decade that you haven't been involved in it. Surely as a believer in Christ who's been saved for 10 years or more, you know how to give the gospel to somebody. If you don't, I'd, I'd beg you, please come to your preacher, to your pastor and say, "Hey, pastor, how can I lead someone to Christ?" He'd be happy to show you that another laborer has chosen to enter the harvest. Are you in the harvest today? Are you working? And are you praying to Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray now that you'd work in our hearts by these truths to to us, Lord. Help us to see where we truly stand before you. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would break through and that you would speak to us very clearly tonight, Lord, of what we need to be right with you. And if we are right with you, Lord, to pray for more labors in this harvest field that is going on right now, Lord. We thank you in Jesus' name.